0: Dillinger had arrived a few minutes too late. He was greeted warmly at his first appearance in downtown Mooresville. Many shook hands with him. Friends were amazed at his new trim figure. He had gone away nine years before, a porky, sleepy-looking boy. While being driven to Crown Hill Cemetery in Indianapolis to the burial of his stepmother, Dillinger told the undertaker, "'I'm sick of it.' I'm going to go straight. A few Sundays later, it was Father's Day, he attended the local Friends Church for the first time, and heard the pastor, Mrs. Gertrude M. Reiner, preach on the prodigal father and the prodigal son. She noticed that Dillinger, sitting next to his father, openly wept. After the sermon, the young man told her, You will never know how much good that sermon has done me. By now, even the doubters in Mooresville were convinced that he would become a credit to the community. They did not know, of course, that in the few weeks since his release, he had already robbed two supermarkets, a drugstore, and a small bank. Long before his parole, John Dillinger had chosen crime as his career. 2. He was born in a middle-class residential section of Indianapolis called Oak Hill, late in the sultry evening of June 22, 1903. Three years later his mother, Molly, suffered an apoplectic stroke and, after an operation, died. Mr. Dillinger—he pronounced the name with a hard G in the German style—was an unemotional, somber man— though kindly he believed any masculine display of emotion, even to a three-year-old son, was weakness. John Wilson Dillinger, a charter member of the Hillside Christian Church, was a hard-working grocer who scrupulously gave penny-for-penny value. He tried to instill in the youngster his own stern religious and moral principles, punishing him for the slightest misbehavior, yet he could also be indulgent. It was Johnny Dillinger who had the first new bicycle in the block, who spent the most on fireworks, who always had enough money to treat the other children to candy. At first, Dillinger's red-haired sister, Audrey, thirteen years older, took the place of his mother. But she married within a year and soon moved out of the snug two-story house on Cooper Street. In the next few years, Mr. Dillinger spent most of his time in the grocery store sometimes locking his son in the house for safekeeping, sometimes letting him roam the neighborhood till after dark. It was a strange world of extremes, and to make it worse, the youngster had only one close friend, Fred Brewer, another child with an unhappy home life. The two boys, bound by loneliness, became inseparable, and it was a common sight in Oak Hill to see them strolling down the street Dillinger's right arm around Fred's shoulder, occasionally pulling the lobe of his friend's ear. Fred's father was a whiskey salesman who regularly came home on Saturday night for the weekend, drunk. Once the two boys secretly piled large rocks on the front porch roof and, as Mr. Brewer staggered up the steps, dumped them on his head. But Dillinger's war with his father was far subtler. When he was old enough to wait on customers, he sometimes gave the neighborhood children over generous portions of candy. One day, Mr. Dillinger saw him surreptitiously slip a pretty girl a bonus package of kiss me chewing gum. The grocer snatched the gum from the girl, then knocked his son over a large coffee container. Dillinger didn't cry, just wiped the blood from his mouth and stared up at his father. When the boy was nine, Mr. Dillinger married Elizabeth Fields, a quiet, self-effacing countrywoman in her late twenties. Though neighbors and relatives always insisted theirs was a warm relationship, Dillinger from the first regarded his stepmother as a stranger. As time went on and he saw his father giving her the affection he longed for, he grew increasingly resentful, developing a sarcastic, lopsided smile. Not long after his father's second marriage, he became the ringleader of the Dirty Dozen, a neighborhood gang. At first it was just another kid gang, but by the time Dillinger was in the sixth grade, he was leading the more daring members in raids against the Pennsylvania Railroad. They were stealing tons of...